So this is from a recorded talk. So we establish our mindfulness with the in-breath and the out-breath. So the sati mindfulness, this is the faculty of recollection. And we also have sampajanya, which is self-awareness. And these are two dhammas, two qualities, which bring immense benefit for practitioners. And the more mindfulness we can have, the better. This allows our samadhi to become well and firmly established. And if we don't use that samadhi to investigate or contemplate, and the samadhi grows deeper and deeper, it's possible to become attached to it. And we can look at the examples of hermits or recluses who live very secluded lives and are absorbed in these jhanas. They're attached to these jhanas of form and also the formless jhanas as well. So we can um, look at the example of the Buddha's teachers while he was a, a bodhisattva. Alara Kalama and Uddhika Ramabhuta, and they weren't able to attain to the Dharma, even though they had this very deep samadhi, because their mind was just there with that samadhi, and they weren't able to receive any other sense impressions. But for us practitioners, we don't need to be afraid of this. We shouldn't be scared that we'll attach to samadhi because our samadhi, it's not that deep. So we bring up this quality of mindfulness, recollection. We're constantly recollecting. And this allows for samadhi to become firmly established. And when we have this good sati and samadhi, then the factors of the Noble Eightfold Path this path of sila, samadhi, and banya, a virtue, collectedness, and wisdom. And uh, so this samadhi is something that we train ourselves in, and we need to carry on training um, until we get it right and until we become skilled at it. So when we sit in meditation, this is what we're doing. And it's really just a matter of us doing it frequently, doing it a lot, sitting in meditation, and also while we're doing other things, while we're eating, for example, we should train ourselves in mindfulness as well. And we can be mindful while we're eating. We ensure that we don't eat too much, and we eat in a quiet and restrained way. And also while we're speaking, while we're listening, we have mindfulness there as well. And this makes the mind firmly established. And when it's in this state, then the mind gains a new birth, it gets born again. And it gets born into a state of goodness, a state of merit and skillfulness. And this is the very same mind that does this, that gets this new birth. So whenever our body, speech or mind, the actions of these are good, then this is skillfulness, this is kusala. And this brings about radiance of the heart. It makes the heart brighter and brighter. But the opposite's true. When our actions of body and speech and mind are unskillful, 
are harmful, then this makes the mind darker and darker. So having been born as a human, and coming here now training our minds, we have turned from being just people into humans. And human, manusa, this is someone or beings who have high minds. And it's very rare to find these. And so it differs getting this physical birth, being born as a physical human, and gaining this mental birth as a human. These are different things. We see that those physical humans, there are many and more and more in this world, until it's come to the point where humans have filled up the world. But to find a real human, a human in the heart, this is very difficult, they're very rare. Which means that those people who have a good sense of morality, who are virtuous, and then the people who are interested in practicing and training, those who see the harm and the drawbacks in a mind which is stirred up and chaotic, and see the benefits of peace and wisdom, it's more and more difficult to find these people. But whatever the case, if we firmly train our minds, then they will gain mindfulness and they will gain wisdom. These qualities will arise. And we need to be cautious and take good care of these hearts of ours. Be cautious when they experience a sense impression. And not just allow them to go after those sense impressions. So if there's a sense impression which inspires anger, it's normal that the mind will just get angry. If we experience something that inspires greed or delusion, then mostly the mind will just fall into those states, getting greedy or deluded. So we need to be cautious, and we need to take good care of these hearts. Because these hearts, these minds of ours, they are the leaders. And if we're going to succeed at anything, we do so through our minds. So today is a day off, and you've all come to the monastery and have sacrificed the happiness, the ease that you would have experienced resting at home. But instead you've come to make merit at the monastery. Come to make your minds higher and better. Come to develop skillfulness. We've been chanting, recollecting the virtues of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. And now we're trying to train our minds. So we contemplate to see all things as being conventions. And this is what Lumpur Cha taught us, that all things are conventions. So when I stayed with him, uh, his monastery was in Isan, in the northeast of Thailand. And there they speak the northeastern dialect. And so he would tell us that going into the Mieng and the Meung, um, it's the same thing. It Mieng is the Isan pronunciation of the word city, and Meung is the Thai pronunciation. And so even though the sounds differ slightly, they are pointing to the same thing. Well, like us, having taken the precepts and reciting the formula for taking up the five precepts before, if we're going to recite that in very kind of proper Pali pronunciation, then there needs to be kind of different sounds. 
need to really differentiate between the long vowels and the short vowel sounds. And then there are very strong nasal sounds and palatals. And there are many different sounds um, that the Sri Lankan monks especially are very skilled at producing. And the short vowels really need to be short, the long vowels need to be long. You can't get these mixed up. But this too is convention, convention of Pali pronunciation. But it's a convention nonetheless. And really the meaning, it comes down to showing respect uh, for the Buddha. So recently there was a monk who came here to visit, and previously he had lived here. And he had come back from India, and he had taken the mold for creating a Buddha Rupas to India, to Nagapura. And there are many, many Buddhists there, huge amounts who have taken on the five precepts. And I myself had been there uh, many years previously. And there's about five million people who have become Buddhists. And each year, more and more go through the ceremony and register themselves as being Buddhists. And so this monk took this mold of Buddha Rupa there in order to cast many Buddha Rupas to give them out to the people there, the laity. And many people came from very far away, many hired cars, in order to travel um, for the ceremony and to receive a Buddha Rupa. And we can see that they have great faith. And the monks who went there, all of them eat uh, vegetarian food. And so they have respect and um, this devotion, just in the same way that we do. And really they're very similar to us Thai Buddhists. The culture there of Buddhism in Assam and Sikkim, and then Sikkim it's very close to Burma. And so this is where the Buddhist culture kind of travelled to Thailand, that this was the route that it took from India into Thailand, and so from Assam into Sikkim and then into Burma, and from the Sipsong Pana province in Burma and then into Thailand. And the culture of Buddhism, the sasana, it spread in this way. But this too is another convention. So vimuti, this liberation, this is the freedom that we can experience. So whenever we see a sight, whenever we hear a sound, we taste a, a, a taste, a smell an odor, or um, think any thought, that we see that these things all arise, they stay for a bit, and they cease. But it's often the case that we have the desire to just think good things, to only have good things in our hearts. And we don't want anything that's bad at all. We don't want to say anything bad, we don't want to do anything bad, we don't want to think anything bad. Because we've learned that this is papa, this is a harmful deed, a demeritorious deed. And so we try not to do any of these things, not to say anything that's bad or do or think anything that's bad. But the thing is, our thoughts were not able to 
have full control over those. And if we think that I don't want to be bad, and that if I think these things, then I am bad, that this is just something evil, and we think this more and more, then this isn't right, this is incorrect, this is actually mitya ditti, it's wrong view. So what we need to do is bring up a sense and feeling of kindness for ourselves, to not have any hatred, any anger towards ourselves. And the Pucha, he taught in this way, that it's not right for us to get angry and hate ourselves, to have ill will towards ourselves. We need to be able to forgive ourselves. And when these bad states or bad thoughts come up, then we don't just bring up this anger and we don't aggravate the situation, we don't make it worse. Because doing that, it just simply doesn't work. It just makes our mind fall lower and lower. So we need to train our minds in order to give them intelligence. But we're not able to control them. And so if the mind thinks bad thoughts and we try more and more to control it and force it to not be thinking that, then the mind will get more aggravated and try to just wriggle out, struggle out from that situation. And the more we try to control it, the more it does that. And that's what it's like when there are these harmful thoughts or these bad thoughts there in the mind. And this is the kilesa mara, these uh, demons of defilements coming up within the heart. So we need to be aware of them and to have this awareness up to speed with them and then just put them down. And it's like when we eat fish. That when we eat the fish, uh, we just eat, eat the flesh. But the bones, we just leave them aside. And so it's the same with our thoughts. That the thoughts which are beneficial, then we can use those, we can consume them and act upon them. And those thoughts which don't give any benefit, then we just throw them out, we just leave them aside. But it's difficult when our mindfulness lacks strength. And in that situation, then there won't be this knowledge which is up to speed. And then the mind goes and attaches to those states, and suffering arises. And the situation can just get worse and worse. So we need to think and contemplate that these things are just normal. That all of the experiences that we gain all of the sights that we see, all of the sounds and the odors, the taste, the tactile sensations, these arise, stay for a bit, and cease. And this is also true for the Dhamma Aramana, the thoughts and the emotions which arise within the heart. These too arise, they stay for a bit, and they cease. They're not a being, they're not a self, they're not me, they're not other, and they just are what they are, they're just these sense impressions. And the mind won't suffer because it sees that these thoughts are not self, they're not me. They're not a being. But when we see them and perceive them as being self, when we attach to them, then the heart suffers. When we think something good, then we feel at ease. When we think something bad, 
then we feel ill at ease, we feel stirred up. So we need to train ourselves to put these things down, to abandon them. And any unskillful state which arises, which has arisen already, and then we train ourselves to abandon these. And we can do that by changing our object of attention, of focus. Or we could contemplate. And so if there are bad thoughts which have arisen, then we contemplate and tell ourselves that these things, they're not sure, these things change. And if our minds, they don't believe that, then we can just change our focus and think about something good instead. Bring our mindfulness back to the breath, or bring it to the word Buddha. And we can try chanting, reciting this mantra, Buddha, 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 very frequently, so it doesn't give any space for these thoughts to intersect or interrupt. And then through this, the mind will become peaceful. When it's in this peaceful state, then we'll be able to contemplate well, And that's because it has this firm mindfulness there. And with this strong mindfulness, we can see that these thoughts arise, they stay for a bit, and then they cease. And then our minds won't suffer along with these thoughts. These thoughts won't become a cause for suffering. And we see that these thoughts are just something of nature. They're just normal to be this way. They're just another bit of nature. And we see them in that light. So we must train ourselves and we must practice. We must really try to do this in order for the mind to be born again, to gain a new birth. We get born as an inner human. And sometimes the mind gets born as a deva, a celestial being. But when we have a lot of work to do, then we try to keep our minds on the human level. And try to be restrained have restraint over actions of body and speech, and keep these within the five precepts. And then train our minds so that wisdom can arise. And this is the path to developing the mind, the path to meeting with genuine, true peace and happiness within our lives. <laughs>